Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Homer Apple Sources Mind Week Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing today? Good. Hot. Yeah, it's hot out. It is. It is very hot. Just going to go down to the park, take some swings, and uh, walk to the dog and said, you know, not doing that. I'm going back <laughs> inside. I literally just walked in the door from doing like grocery shopping stuff, and I was like, "Dear God, <laughs> not going back out." All right, so promote extend trade, and today is the Dominican Pride Parade. So it would have been hot, but it would have been fun. But instead of being up there partying, I am here, locked in my mother's basement. With a spreadsheet <laughs> open on my desktop, I'm crunching some numbers with a graphing calculator, and I'm doing it all because I love you, our loyal listeners. What the f- where where are we going with this? Well, it's Dominican Pride Day. That. Dominican Pride Day, so we should extend Promotix trade some great Dominican players, and they all literally happen to play for the same team at the same exact time, so that makes it easier. Promote extend trade. Pedro, Poppy, Manny. Ooh. Oh. That's mm. tough. I don't know. Are we doing this as, like, our favorite, who we think was the best? Like, what's yeah, the criteria? Whatever criteria you want to use. I have to I, extend Pedro just I think because... Pedro, yeah. He's literally one of the greatest of all time, and he's also a Met, and he's also, like, a character. You know, that's like, it hits all three boxes. And from what I have, like, good vibes from Pedro. Like, 
Yeah. Seems like a pretty good guy. Like, he seems like a, a pleasant dude. I know someone, one of my old coaches worked for the Mets a little, like, he did, like, like some of the on-field, like, uh, t-shirt toss stuff and all that. And he said Pedro was always really nice. So, and he was always really nice to everyone who worked there. So, that's a good, he, a nice little plus in my book. Yeah, I think I'm... I might. Ex- I'm gonna put Pedro at the top here just for that. Back when Noah Syndergaard was was Thor, <laughs> still that that Thor that Thor vibe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thor. I, I I would I watched that on like loops in 2015 or whatever that was, which is seven years eight years ago. I'm. Uh, 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 Let's not think about that. Uh, that's painful. Um. Yeah. Uh, I might just do him in the order you listed, I think, like Pedro, Poppy, Manny. I never Manny always annoyed me. <laughs> Poppy was more funny. I like both Manny and Poppy and Big Poppy, but like if you put them side by side, I think Big Poppy is just better. Like yeah, I think he is the better player statistically. Manny was more of a. I feel like Big Poppy was a character, but Manny was more of a character. Like the whole Manny being Manny shit was like really fun. Yes. And watching him do all that was really fun, but also, like, David Ortiz was just, he's like a, he, he feels like a baseball pillar for me. Like, I, when he retired, even though I'm not a Red Sox fan, I was like, what the hell? Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. I have to, I have to go Manny over Poppy just because Manny's more... Just because Manny being Manny, I think it has its own like Wikipedia page. So when your antics have their own Wikipedia page, I feel like that's you've you've gone above and beyond. Or if not a page, at least a section in his Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Poppy literally got shot and he just like no sold it. And he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to die. So. I forgot about I that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Poppy going, but like, Poppy was a character. How do I say this without sounding like a, like I belong on S on a a (laughs) WFAN here or something? (laughs) How do I say this without going full Sal Licata? I don't know. I do not know how to pronounce his name, nor do I really care. Um, Poppy was a character, but. It was never about him, if that makes sense. Like, clearly just gave the most shits about winning. Yeah. Manny, Manny's whole thing was Manny. And that's fun to an extent, but I think Manny took, at least for me, it was to the point where it was like a little tiresome with Manny Ramirez. In a way, I never felt about Big Poppy. I, I completely understand and agree. When you know David David Ortiz, you know that he had a big personality, but that never like caused problems that we knew about with the teams. It never caused like negative back page headlines, things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Manny, it quite often did. 
Also, also, I just realized it just popped into my head. We also have to take into account Manny's <laughs> Manny's career in Taiwan. Oh God! When he when he signed his contract that guaranteed like all you can eat sushi and um one of the greatest uh, announcer calls of all time was made. I don't recall <laughs> this. Whether the announcer is just like, oh, that one is gone, just like your ex-girlfriend. Oh, what the hell? I don't recall <laughs> this. Mm-hmm. It is it, definitely a memorable call. And I'm 99% sure that Manny was one that hit that home run. How? Either I've completely memory hold this, which is possible, or uh, <laughs> I just I want to never... say it was like 20, like... 13 maybe huh he went to play in taiwan i think it was for the, i forget the i want to say that the, the rhinos was the team sure whatever it was before he came back and became the player manager of the iowa cubs <laughs> like that stuff is awesome from that <laughs> right like 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 that adds to it for me because like david ortiz like yeah he retired and then he went on fox i think he was doing for the for the playoffs and it was great like he's funny on there and he does funny post-career analyst stuff um, but like <laughs> Manny Ramirez was out here playing overseas and like player managing teams and shit like that is so funny. That's like some dead ball era stuff that you don't see anymore <laughs> from players. And that's the that's the type of stuff that will make him like a lasting funny memory. And a cool. And obviously he was also extremely good. Like mm-hmm. the Manny being Manny stuff aside, he was one of the best players in baseball for years. You know, like it's not like he was a scrub doing all this stuff like he was amazing. But I don't know. All that stuff is so funny to me and just so fun because you just don't see that shit anymore. No. He also inspired one of the original Amazing Avenue memes, too, with hello, hello, Mr. Wilpon. (laughs) We want the mansion, not the condo. That's going way back. That is actually even before my time at Amazing Avenue. Yeah, that's... It is weird to think that I am one of the longer tenured people at Amazing Avenue at this point. It's very strange to think about. Steve's been here longer than me. It's been 83 years. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very odd to think about. And... The Mets are basically in the same situation now that they were. When did you start writing? Like maybe 2014? It was my first because I was I had had my first hip surgery after the freshman year of undergrad. So that would have been the summer of 2014. I I think I had written a very, very, very long fan post about how the Mets should not trade Brandon Nimmo and Noah Syndergaard for Troy Tulowitzki. Good call. Good call, by the way. Um, And then, uh, like, the next day, Eric posted, like, hey, we're looking for writers. I'm like, well, I wrote this thing. Is that good? And he said yes. And then uh, now I'm still here somehow. Anyway, that meme you're referencing is before even my time. Oh, yeah, no, that is, um, I mean, when was Manny Ramirez a free agent? I want to say it was like 20, 2005. 
was the lastings millage the lastings millage manny ramirez trade rumors either uh, 2005 or 2006 so i mean that's basically going back to that yeah, that's a we're talking time. like, you know, we're talking anti-Diluvian era of Mason Avenue. <laughs> Anti-Diluvian era of Mason Avenue. <laughs> Going way back. Oh, well, just like in 2014, the, the minor league system was starting to look good. Um, the Mets minor league system is starting to look good now. So everything repeats itself. Um, we'll take a look at the Mets affiliates right now first. Syracuse Mets played the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, and they went two and four, so another losing week for them. Um, but we definitely have to uh, highlight Mike Vazel's start on Tuesday. It's definitely worth mentioning through eight no-hit innings, um, walked two batters, and then eventually allowed a, a hit in the ninth inning. And then he pitched again today, and he threw five more scoreless innings before he eventually gave up a three-run homer to uh, Jake Lamb. But 12-inning scoreless streak altogether, not bad. Um, he's kind of been struggling since he got promoted to AAA, but he came into the week with a 7.04 ERA, and he lowered it to 5.48. So when you could lower your ERA by about a run and a half, that shows, A, how bad you are coming into the week, and B, how good <laughs> you are. So, um worrisome on the whole for his season but trending in the right direction yeah it's probably just adjusting to yeah i'm i'm very not concerned about some initial struggles at triple a like yeah whatever yeah. it happens uh so syracuse they are 13 and 25 in the second half and are 10 and a half games uh back so not much going on there uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they played the Somerset Patriots this week. And coming into the week, they were two games behind first place. And first place was occupied by those same Somerset Patriots. So not only did we have a uh, Mets-Yankees subway series, but it was a uh, series of some implications. And Rumble Ponies won the first two games, and they moved into a tie for first place with Somerset. But then they lost the next two games. And they weren't even just losses, but they were just oh, yeah. blowout, devastating shutout losses. They lost 14 to zero on Thursday, and and Tyler Stewart's ERA just got destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then they had another embarrassing loss on Friday that lost nine to zero. So not great. Um, Saturday they they shut out Somerset. Christian Scott had a good outing. And they are playing the last game of the series right now as we record. So um, Binghamton is a game behind the Patriots. They are 19 and 18 uh, in the second half now. So if they win this last game, they move into a tie for first place. And if they lose the game, they fall back down to trailing them by two games, which is where they were uh, coming into the season, uh, coming to the series, excuse me. And I think it's crazy that if Binghamton wins, they'll have a 20 and 18 record, and that's good enough in first place. That's so the minor leagues, baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're two games over 500. We're number one. <laughs> um, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Now they played the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and they took the series four to two, so that boosts their record to 
26 and 16 in the second half. And they are two games in front of the Lakewood Blue Claws, who are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So they are heating up. And uh, Brooklyn needs to be uh, watching the rearview mirror, unfortunately. Not exactly a runaway. And St. Lucie, they played the Palm Beach Cardinals. Uh, another losing week. They went 2-4, and four, just like Syracuse. And also like Syracuse, they are well below 500. They are 13 and 29 on the season. Um, they are the worst team in all of single A baseball. But here's the silver lining: if the Stockton Ports, which is the uh, Oakland A's low A team, if they lose tonight when they play the Modesto Nuts, they're going to be tied with St. Lucie as the worst team in all of low A baseball. So, excuse me, single A baseball. So, yay. Hopefully they lose, and we can say that, you know, St. Lucie at least is not the worst. They have some company, which is sad because that's literally the best thing I think that we can say about St. Lucie right now. Um, And last but not least, the Florida Complex League Mets, they had a rough week for a change. They they actually had a losing week. They went two and three. And they got outscored 25 runs to 44 runs allowed. So not a great week. Uh, they still have a commanding lead, though, in the division, in the, in the league. I don't really know but what to call it. But they are 27 and 17 on the year. And they are four games ahead of the, the Marlins FCL team. So looks they like there's a championship possibly in store for the FCL Nuts. They have so many infielders. It's so funny. They can't even play all of them. They have to promote some guys. Yeah, that this is where we see how much it sucks that a that that two low level teams were cut because Kingsport yeah, Mets. One hundred percent. Because there's just days where like Vargas doesn't play and like it, it, there were multiple times this week, maybe last week too, that Vargas just didn't play, and he's like your number three prospect. You know, like he should be playing every day, but you need to get other guys in. Like you have, like that's the only way to. They're moving guys around the diamond, which is kind of nice to get them experience in different positions. But still, it's just losing the lower minors like that. It sucks for releases because if you got more guys get released during the season, I think now, and this stuff where. You don't want to promote them all the way to to St. Lucie, but that's a, it's a big jump, but you kind of have to make it, you know, mm-hmm. to have a choice. Well, got to save a couple of bucks. Yeah. It it, it I don't know. It is weird um, that they're they're. It, it just feels like that there needs to be a mid a mid season affiliate somewhere i mean yeah. i know like the, the complex league starts in like middle or end of june but i mean you still already have an entire roster full of those players and yeah. you know from from the dsl or guys that are in the organization that's still repeating it from the season before or whatever and then you're drafting you know another 20 players a percentage of them you know are going to be starting off at the lower level, lowest levels of the minors. It just, I don't know. It just seems like something that really is necessary. Yeah, it sucks. Like exactly. Well, the owners suck. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So a few weeks ago, we did an informal mid-season prospect list update. And it made sense at the time because, you know, Baseball America was doing it. MLB was doing it. Uh, I think Baseball Prospectus was doing it. You know, everyone else was doing it. And in retrospect, maybe it wasn't the smartest time to do that. Because literally a week or two after we made our lists, the, (laughs) the Mets made a ton of trades. They shipped off basically anyone with value and they got back a ton of prospects and the farm system literally transformed from like a unanimous bottom third system to a borderline top 10 system and there's a lot of change such that we really needed to reorder things because you don't turn your system from a bottom third system to a borderline top 10 system without getting back some players of impact. And the Mets definitely did that. So this week we are just basically redoing everything we did last week or, or like three weeks ago. So, um, we'll just go over each, I guess, position first. Number one, who do you guys have as the Mets' number one prospect? Drew Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Me too. I went with Acuna. It I, was, think, it, I feel like it's one and one A though, to be honest. Well, I have a uh, we. I think it's more like the top five could be interchanged, but mm. I. That's I really. That's where I'm at, but yeah. So. Acuna. Is not someone I was or am particularly high on. This is not a profile I tend to love. Um, if I'm if we're if we're if we're gonna get excited about a uh, a guy who, for lack of a better word, is is kind of tweener ish, and I know that's usually applied to outfielders, but by what what I mean by that is that there's like not super high end defense, mm-hmm. not super high end power. Um, I'm more willing to bet on that profile if I believe in the approach. And unfortunately, Acuna's biggest question mark is his approach. Um, none of this is to say he's a bad prospect. I think he's still a top 50 guy. He's still a Borderline top 50 guy, he's still a great return for Max Scherzer. Like, I still do not understand what the Rangers were thinking. Um, all of this is just to say that I think there's a bigger gap between Gilbert and Acuna than um, uh, than them being interchangeable. I flip-flopped. Uh, 
like five times. Yeah. It's kind of like. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I I do think he could be a plus second baseman if they move him there. Mm-hmm. I didn't haven't seen him enough in the outfield. I wonder if they're gonna move him to center. Also, he could be like a just kind of play all over type of guy. Like you don't need to put him in one spot and just let him rock there. He could play multiple positions and it's fine. Give Lindor more off days and stuff like that. But yeah, the approach worries me too. But I put Gilbert first just because I think there's a little more. Like even though Gilbert was not great in Double A this year, um, that's so far. That's basically what caused me to put him as as two. They I just think that Gilbert has more of a chance to hit for more authority. He could probably be a good center fielder, and so I would. Yeah, I don't think it's a big leap in logic to make to make that he would be a very good corner outfielder. So I just kind of have Gilbert there for that reasons over him. I think he's just a little more advanced right now than Acuna, but also Acuna's 21 in Double A and was really good in for the Rangers. Like he's been kind of whatever as a Met so far, but but it's like a few weeks. Who cares? But um, yeah, I think they're both the top two guys. I think you could interchange the top five, and we could get into that as we go. But I think for me, they're my top two. So you guys have Acuna as number two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah. So Gilbert Acuna one two. We all agree. Three. I think we probably all have the same. I'm gonna say Jet Williams is my third. This is where my flip flopping starts. <laughs> But I'm also Jet at this spot, right? Now. I have Vargas. Mm. I so I also just saw Jet mm-hmm. live. I saw him Friday, and a few things stood out to me that worried me. Obviously, I still like him. I don't want to. I'm not trying to be a hater. I very much like him. I turned. I went. I fully understand why they picked him. Da da da. I know I didn't like him pre-draft last year, but I came around to it. I don't think he's going to be able to be a consistent center fielder with how bad his arm is. Like, it's really bad in the outfield. That means I don't think he could play third base. He probably can't play shortstop. He's probably just a second baseman, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it also hurts you, like, flexibility-wise. I You can't play him in right, the arm. So I know this is just one play, but he, one of the guys on Aberdeen hit a single, and it was like a routine single. And they tried to stretch it to, for a double. And it was a throw that I could make on a line. And Jet bounced it. And it was like, oof, like you can't make, you have to make that throw on a line, you know? And it's just one of those things where if you're doing that in the majors, people are going to take extra bases on you. People are going to abuse that. So he has the range to play center, like defensively to get to all the balls. So if you don't care about an arm at all, then fine. But to me, that was a little worrying. And he has a big hole in his swing at the top of the zone right now. And... He just got abused there all day. Like, they just kept throwing him high velocity, and he swung under it. That doesn't mean he can't fix it, and he probably will. And so it's just, for me, I'm not stocked down, but Vargas looks like he has the batted ball profile. I know he's younger in a worse league, but he has the batted ball profile. I think he has a little more defensive flexibility from what I understand. So that's where I kind of have Vargas 3 and Jet 4. But, I mean, you could flip-flop. Like I said, I'm about to talk a lot about my number 5 guy in a second. But that's really... The difference for me right now. All right, so number four. Well, I'm sorry. 
No, I, I, I thought, and we're going to get to this guy in a second, I imagine. I thought Thomas was going to flip-flop someone else into this spot, Ooh. to be totally honest. That's, this is where my hot take is going to, this is where one of my hot takes is going to come from. So I, I have I have the outlines of a bold prediction here as well, but yes, we should keep going. Yes. All right, so number four, here's where all the hot takes start, all right? So someone give me a number four. Hey, Vargas. Okay. For me, it's Jet. For me, it's Jet. Right. Oh shit! Then I guess five I have is where the hot, hot take. take. Oh, who'd you put four? Here's my hot take. Blade Tidwell. Ooh. What? <laughs> Why? I s- still don't see. Uh, the numbers are fine, and uh, I think the stuff has looked good. And I think that the seal, the, not the ceiling, the ceiling is still very good. And I have a bias towards pitchers just because there's a more utility in them in in case they fail. You know, you could always throw Tidwell in the bullpen and it'll work. You can't do that with, you know, a uh, Jet Williams. Nothing, not that it's wrong with Jet, but since we just brought him up before. So I feel like pitchers are just going to have a naturally higher floor because of that. And as a result... I am biased. I understand the philosophical point around pitchers versus hitters. And again, like, the fastball has been fine. The slider, I has, think, has looked... Has it been fine? I mean, outside, I would say outside of a window at the beginning of the year, let's say maybe his first three or four starts, he's been pretty good. The command is iffy, but the command has always been iffy with him. You know, it was never a strong suit. I think he has less of a ceiling than you're giving him credit for. Like, I don't. I think he's a he has a ceiling of a major league starter. I just think it's probably more. Oh, you know, I don't. Did rotation? I, I I, yeah, no, I don't see Ace in his future. Yeah. I mean, he's a mid to back end starter. And for me, I'm just if never going to put that well. guy. Like. When there's other options, I'm going to put the other options over that just because I find the other options more interesting. Like, Tidwell's in my top ten for sure, but I don't even think he's the best. Tidwell's the best pitcher in the system, let alone three. <laughs> so, I I mean, uh, yeah, Tidwell isn't even in the top ten for me. Yeah, he's in my top ten because I think he's played his way into it, honestly. Like, I... I I, I think he's been legitimately good. I know the fastball concerns. He has fastball shape issues, and the fastball's not great, and that's a big deal. But I think you could put him 10 and be fine. I don't think he's far. meaningfully played his way into it, though, right? Like, this is supposed to be an advanced SEC arm. That's the – like, you should be able to drop he, that. He has, what, maybe 50 innings total for his entire – collegiate career okay but what's the selling point then right like if we're if we're not well i'm just i'm just saying that i feel like it it's a bit of a misnomer to say that he's an advanced college pitcher yes he did go to a good school and he did pitch for them but it wasn't like he has three years of 100 plus innings okay I understand that point, but my count my counter argument to that is that that's central to the case, right? The the argument with Tidwell is either that he's an advanced SEC arm and that is an 
is emblematic of his upside or or no that there there is no or there that is the argument for Tidwell because the the results on their face have not backed that up right like his fastball gets below average whiffs his slider is good in advance in in Brooklyn but he has no he has very limited control and command i and, and that that's before we talk about the long term shoulder injury risk here like this I don't know. There, there. I, I feel like there are a couple names we could, you could reasonably defend it for. Tidwell is wild to me. That's wild. Oh, I said. I guess it was a bit of a hot take. Hmm. Also, I mean, I don't want to. I'm not going to bury the lead here or anything like that. But um, as as we go on, as we sum up, I guess it'll become very apparent. I have very specific biases that are influencing where I'm ranking players here. Mm. All right. So number five. Oh, five for me. If anyone just throw out a name is a uh, Ryan Clifford. And my hot take is that if he's number one in the system next year, I would not be surprised. You motherfucker. <laughs> it's like when I'm telling you, it's different. Like, seeing him live, he's had the best swing on the field Friday when I saw him. Like the, the speed of it is faster than everyone else's. It's quicker through the zone than everyone's. He had an at-bat against a lefty that was – he worked – he fouled off some pitches. He worked – he took breaking balls in the dirt. Like, it's just that the, the, the reason why he's five is he, you don't know where he's going to play. If he if he's just a first baseman, it's you got to bump him down a bit, you know. If he could stand in left fields, then hell yeah, you know. Like if he's just a DH, then obviously like you work it like you could work him into that. But I don't know, man. Just that swing was different. Like even just sitting there for watching him for a game, it's just faster than everyone else's. You get him, man. He hits the ball hard. Like, yep. I think he's the guy who has the biggest chance to be a riser in the system. Him and, and Vargas, because of his age, Vargas is already knocking on the door for some people and is a kid. Like, he's young. So if he continues this, then he'll, ri- he'll rise really fast, too. But I don't know, man. Something about that Clifford swing is so different that if I really hope he could just play left field or right field instead of just being a first baseman. What is it? Uh, Twenty homers, nineteen. It's a, I think it was the last number I remember was eighteen, but I don't know if that counts Fridays. Yeah, yeah, I've got the same name here, and I made this point in the farm report yesterday that don't be surprised if by like spring of next year or maybe like early summer we're talking about Clifford as the best piece in the Justin Verlander trade as opposed to Gilbert and I don't I don't want to say this I don't know about you Lucas but I'm not knocking Gilbert on this like I don't I think he's a great prospect I like him more than I know uh, a few people don't like him and they get they have concerns about him but I like him more than that but I just think Clifford's the ability to his pure power ability is insane to me Mm -hmm. like and it's, a, from what I saw, a pretty good approach. Like, 
he's not just up there hacking and doing nonsense. Like he's taking pitches that he shouldn't be swinging at. He's fouling off pitches. He's hitting the ball up the middle with authority for other hit. He's not just hitting home runs, pulling them, you know, like he's doing Mm -hmm. good things otherwise too. It's more of a complete hitting profile than I think he gets a little credit for because you see the, you see the super big home runs, obviously that's, what's going to get retweeted. But like he hit, he, it was, I think it was two strikes on Friday with the runner on third. He smoked one right up the middle and it was right on it. Like it was a ground ball single and you're never going to be like, Oh, what a prospect. He had a ground ball single, but like, that's the type of stuff that you also need to do. You sometimes you just need a single, you know, and mm-hmm. it was a great at bat. And he, I think it was two strikes, so he probably was protecting a little bit, and he just smoked one right up the middle, RBI single, and I was like, damn, you know. And earlier in that at bat, he had a foul ball home run towards the parachute jump that was smoked, like absolutely destroyed. He was just early on it, and otherwise it would have been a second home run of the day. Like that was gone. Was that one he, hit further than uh, the one he hit in like his first at bat for Brooklyn in Asheville? Oh, well, I mean, the one he hit on Friday too, the home run. To that part of the park is rare to hit a home run there. Yeah. That that right center field gap. I don't for people who haven't been there, it's very deep to right center in Brooklyn, and it wasn't really windy on Friday because a lot of times the wind will blow in from the water there in that from that direction. But there, it was not it wasn't that windy that day, so we didn't have to fight through the wind. But still, that was a big boy home run. I think the natural one was still bigger though. The first home run. Yeah, not and. This is a dude with elite damage on contact, and to, to Thomas's point, and if you look at the data, and I've again, this is another instance where I have not seen the data. I'm relying on secondhand reports of the data, but high-end swing decisions and in-zone contact, like it's it's the trifecta of elite hitter traits. Yeah. This and is at some point. At some point. If you're a good enough hitter, I don't really care where you can or can't play. Yeah, I be that good a hitter. I'll agree with that. I think he has to get there. I don't think he's there yet. Obviously, he's in high A. But if he's doing this in double or triple A, I'm like, I don't. Who cares, man? Just Mm -hmm. call him up at that point. But and he's kind of sneaky. I don't want to say close to the majors, but next year he should be in double A. Yep. And then. The year after that, he should be knocking on the door unless he really destroys double A next year, which is a possibility. I don't want to say it's a likelihood, but I think it's in the realm of possibilities that in like two years we're talking about him maybe. And then it's like, oh, but that's if everything goes well. Obviously, stuff could go sideways and he could get a little he could struggle at the next level. You never know. Um, Stuff happens with prospects. But I don't know. I came away very impressed with him and I've been impressed with him since they traded for him. So. Well, my number five is not Ryan Clifford. It is Mike Vassell. Similar arguments about Blade Tidwell. Right. Uh, so you're you've gone what Acuna, Gilbert, and then who was three? Jet. Jet. All right. So Vargas and Clifford still on the board here. I don't. I don't get why you're higher on Tidwell than Vassell. Frankly. Vassell. He's his command is not great, and his pure stuff is not as good as Tidwell's. I don't think. 
he's been getting better. I've been tracking because, well, spoiler alert, he is the player of the week. So I've been crunching his numbers on these specific starts against Scranton Wilkes-Barre as opposed to his prior ones. He's throwing his fastball a lot more, like 20% of the time more. Um, he's throwing it in the zone a bit more. Mm-hmm. Inexplicably, he's been having success with that. I'm not really sure what's going on, What what's making the difference. Um, but, yeah, um, those are, that is basically the, the main thing that I could see why he's having more success right now as opposed to, you know, the couple of weeks that he's been having. Eh. He's just throwing his fastball more and, and pounding it in the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but his fastball, I find, is not as dynamic as Tidwell's. You know, he, he dips down to the concerning low 90s a lot more. You know, there's there's been quite a lot of, you know, 90, 90 91 mile per hour fastballs, which not exactly grooved pitch in major leagues, but not the kind of velocity that you want to see. Um, his slider is good. I don't think it's as good as Tidwell's. Um, you know, their changeup is their their changeups are you know very similar in their development as as far third pitches. Um, Vaz also has a curveball, which I think is kind of, eh. but it's a I don't want to say like one and one a. Like I did Acuna and Gilbert, but I think they are pretty close, Tidwell and Vessel, in my mind. With Tidwell getting the slight advantage. Okay. I, I'm much more convinced by your Vassal argument than the Tidwell one. <laughs> I like my Vassal. Yeah, my Vassal's like- pretty good. I have him sixth. Yep. And I have I have Ryan Clifford sixth. So we're okay, guys. We're okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have Vassal six. I mean, yeah, I have Vassal six. He's just closer to the majors than Tidwell, and I think they're kind of in the same general pitching tier of mid to back end starters who were kind of boring. Like boring doesn't mean bad. Like sometimes you do need a boring fourth starter. You know, like I'm not saying that as a negative thing. It's just kind of true. There's nothing that really stands out for either of them for me. So Vassal should be in the majors next year. And he's ahead of Tidwell for that reason. Like if Tidwell had something that was a little more electric, I think I would put him higher, even though he was further away. But if you're in the same boat for me, then I'm just kind of going to take the the guy closest to the majors here for pitching when they're all kind of the same. There's no real – I don't think there's a real difference – perform like talent wise i think they're kind of similar which is hey and i mean um christian scott is in this boat too <laughs> where i'm sure we'll talk about him later but he's also he's kind coming. of he's also kind of like a mid to back end starter guy so you get two or three of those then you don't have to pay one and then you can spend that money elsewhere and we've talked about this a million times so it's nice that they're starting to get some positive outlooks out of these guys I think Tidwell does have a higher ceiling than Vassal, but I think Vassal is a little safer right now. So, mm-hmm. 
Lucas, who is your six? Oh, sorry. I thought uh, Vassal. Vassal is my oh, okay, six okay, as okay. well. Yep, yep. Basically the same argument. And I think, as we already said, I'm not concerned about some early struggles in AAA, especially at this point in the season where I could imagine some of these guys are running out of gas a little bit. And also the AAA baseball is being played on the moon. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's obviously something different about what's going on in AAA. As opposed to what's well, going on mean, in double. <laughs> you mean like a 350 average being a you know 105 weighted is not normal? Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> it's like the Ronnie Mauricio argument. Like he's killing the ball when you look at it. Just if you don't look at the other stuff, and it's like wow, holy shit, what a performance! And then it's like oh, that's kind of league average, which is <laughs> like it is okay. What are you supposed to do with that information? Yeah, I I don't know. What the hell? I, I was looking like they haven't admitted that there's anything different about the International League ball or anything. I don't know. Uh, yes, because I mean, Rob Manfred is infamously <laughs> a reliable source of open informa- uh, information who shares things openly and quickly. Right. Well, yeah, particularly with regard to the nature of the, the ball. Of course. But yeah, um, there's something in the water in the International League. All right, uh, number seven. Uh, I've got Hauk. Mm. Is that how we're pronouncing it, right? Colin Hauk? I believe it is Colin Hauk. Yeah, I uh, usually this isn't some also not a profile I typically love. Just the general print, like the general, the second tier prep shortstop prospect who either explodes or suddenly can't hit and we forget about him in three years or we spend the next five years saying maybe you'll figure it out yeah because that's what these pro like very boomer bust here um this this ranking is basically uh i don't know we'll see in six months <laughs> yeah there's, i mean he could be anywhere from like one to 20 next year I don't know. I, 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 I agree with you. It's tough. He hasn't really done anything, obviously, as a professional. He's not going to this year. It doesn't really matter <laughs> what he does this year. Whether he hits 100 or hits 800, it doesn't matter. It's not enough games to care. So they took him in the first round for a reason. We'll see next year. I think I think Hauk is fine for me at 7. I do have someone at 8 who Lucas is going to yell at me about. but <laughs> You also had Hauk at 7? Yeah. Mm, I had Kevin Parada at seven. Ooh, that's another hot take of mine. We'll get into that <laughs> when we finish I, our list. I, I get, similar to, like I was saying with Tidwell, we had a kind of crappy first month. Parada had a crappy first month, and he's basically been a 300-plus hitter since. Uh, you have to take into account Brooklyn. I think he has a, like, 110 WRC+. plus, So... He is a better-than-average hitter. Uh, he's he's hurt now. Um, not really sure how much of the injury has impacted the rest of his season, but whatever. Let's just pretend that you know it did. It didn't have any kind of impact. The biggest thing is the catching. He is not a good catcher. He that's is not underselling good it. Good. Well, yes. <laughs> and that's um, why. All right. Well, I guess we could just Lucas. Do you have Parada here? Uh, no. I have okay. after Hulk. No, I have Hulk at seven, and then I have someone else at eight. 
Eight? Am I, am I counting correctly? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have someone else at eight, and then I have Parada at nine, actually, and I don't feel okay. great about it. I keep moving him down to what you just said about the defense and what Steve started about the defense. Yep. He's not a good catcher. He is arguably not a catcher. I do not feel qualified to judge catcher defense. Um, Here's the nor thing. do I think anyone is, because how many times have we said this dude isn't a catcher and then they improve back there hey, somehow? Exactly. So, yeah, that's the, my... The, as recently as when he was in Binghamton, people who I consider smarter than myself, more knowledgeable of myself, were saying that Francisco Alvarez is not a good catcher. He doesn't do pretty much anything particularly great behind the plate. And the Mets changed okay. the way that he caught, and now he is a pretty good catcher. I haven't sat down and crunched the, the you know looked at every single game to assess how he's catching how he's moving whatever but the Mets already have a big developmental win in terms of taking a raw catcher and turning him into something better so I'm giving Parada the benefit of the doubt here that he is a smart baseball player he is a guy that by all accounts was was willing to learn and put in extra work which were also not accolades that's not the right word we're also good things Audits. that we heard yes we're also good things that we heard about francisco alvarez as well yeah the bigger thing for me honestly is the offense and i know he had a bad month and that's dragging the numbers down i know brooklyn's hard to hit in but much like tidwell <laughs> This is a high a high end college performer from a major conference. You should be yep. able to drop him into Brooklyn yep. and he should fucking demolish the league. And but, he uh, yep. very much has not. <laughs> yep. Same thing like I was saying with Tidwell. Parada has about a hundred ish games at Georgia no. Tech. He only played I, two seasons. I disagree with that completely. He should mm. have destroyed Brooklyn and he didn't. Hey, he's not in my top ten. Product. There's definitely, there's definitely, I feel like um, the onus was on him a lot more than Tidwell to do well um, quickly because Parada was drafted 11. And, and he was a consensus like top five. Yeah, yeah he was, he was ranked like, fifth usually. Like that, if if you're supposed to be a top five pick as a college performer. You better hit like 330 and high A facing dudes who are the same level, if not a little worse sometimes than some guy you'd face on Tuesday at college. You know, oh, those like Tuesday games, I'm obviously like being facetious, but you know what I mean? Like he mm -hmm. this is the level of competition he should be more than comfortable with. And he just didn't play. well. I don't know. It's let's take his name out of consideration. There's a prospect who isn't a good catcher who is currently a catcher. He has not played another position professionally, and he has barely been an above-average hitter. Is that a top-10 prospect in a good system? No. That's why he's not in my top-10. I don't care mm -hmm. that his name is Kevin Parada. Can he get back into the top? Of course. Like, it's not static. Like, if he catches better, if he works on the offseason on his catching and comes back and is a good catcher, we're having a whole different conversation. If he goes and learns second base and goes Craig Biggio mode or Neil Walker mode, <laughs> you know what I mean? Then we're having a different conversation because the bat plays up. Does the bat play up in left field? 
it hasn't yet. Like, it's is bad. this... No. This hitter is not a good... If this hitter is a left-field prospect, I'm like, he's like 13th, 14th. He's fancy Carlos Cortez at that point. Whoa. And that's that's a problem, you know? And so, like, he has to... He has to either get better hitting or get better catching, and he hasn't done either one yet. So with the influx of talent the Mets have in the system, I don't see how I could rank him in the top ten. Like, I have Ronnie Mauricio 8, and I know Lucas is going to yell at me about that. But Damn it. I already heard that. But the reason why I have him 8 is if you put – I don't see how Parada is a better prospect than him because Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a major league player. Will he be a good one? I don't know. Probably not. He has a huge flaws, but he also has – you could probably – a good team will be able to figure out a pitchers to pitch against him as a DH and move him around the diamond a little bit. Kevin Prada is currently a positionless high A player, so I'm a little down on him. Okay, this is an interesting discussion because I actually – I'm going to pretty vehemently disagree with that, I think, in like – I think Parada is also a major leaguer. First of all, I think Ronnie Mauricio is a left fielder. I do not think he's an infielder. Um, at which right, point so you're basically talking about... Let's move to eight now. So now we're going to talk Ronnie Mauricio here. Cause yeah. It's yeah. that first yeah, mention yeah. of Ronnie. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you have at eight, Steve? I have Jacob Raymer. Okay. That's who I have at eight. Nice, nice. I have Raymer nine, so we could talk about that like. Yeah. <laughs> Rimmer's a nice little player. He's a nice pick yeah. in the fourth round. He probably can't play defense, which is that's, a the, little that's why I have him nine. <laughs> weird. It's odd. How do the Mets? How come the Mets can't teach anyone to play defense? I don't understand, dude. Everyone, just like hire a defense instructor, please. Someone. Isn't this what you're supposed to get when you've got all these old school baseball men in your organization? Aren't they supposed to know how to teach the youths how to play defense? But yeah, with Ronnie, I don't know. Like he's just much closer to the majors. He should be up. He should be up now, honestly, even though he's been struggling just to see what it looks like. He's already on the 40. Who cares if you waste a little bit of, if you waste an option and a little bit of time, if he sucks then you can send him back down and, let him figure out AAA again or whatever. But obviously I'm not a huge fan of him. We know this. The only reason why I have him eight is because you probably get some major league utility out of him soon. If you're smart enough, I think good teams have had, like he legitimately hits the ball hard. It's just approach issues. And if you could leverage his at bats against only righties and only certain righties, then it should be fine. I don't know if the Mets know how to do that. This current regime of the Mets definitely doesn't, but I don't think any of us on this podcast expects Buck Showalter and friends to come back next year. So, <laughs> If Buck Showalter is the manager yeah. of the Mets next year, I'm going to both be surprised and extremely angry. <laughs> like, there's, like there's just, just no way. Because, like, I know it. I know it's not, obviously, it's not allowed to be official, but John Heyman keeps writing about how David Stearns is going to have this job next year. Bob Nightingale keeps just tweeting it. Bob Nightingale is just out here saying, like, oh, yes, the guy who everyone in the industry knows is going to. And obviously it could happen, and no one will be surprised. It might not happen. You never know until the contract signs. But I very highly doubt Stearns comes over and allows Buck Showalter to do his thing. But you could optimize him in a way where it's fine as a bench player. And you just kind of let it rock with the DH. And 
you worse players get leveraged and are fine with really good teams. I just don't think he's a top prospect in the system, but like it is what it is, you know, like hits the ball hard and teams are going to, some team is going to try to fix them if they trade him. I think they're going to try to trade him for pitching, which thank God I hope they do. So I don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe the Royals will give you like I'd rather like do a Brady Singer reclamation project or something like that. I could see them doing some shit like that. I think that'd be a legitimately interesting bet. Like Brady Singer does some cool things. Anyway, do we want to get everything? into the Ronnie Mauricio discourse even further, or do we just want to let it be? Because I will not let it be. I will never okay. let this be. <laughs> I'll continue my campaign. My campaign. Fuck. Campaign of contempt. Um, and I'm going to draw the parallel to Kevin Parada, right? So why do I think Kevin Parada is a better prospect than Ronnie Mauricio? I think both of them are left fielders. Maybe Ronnie's a right fielder. They could both be right fielders. I think they both have good arms. Um, not re- they're corner outfielders, corner players. Ronnie is certainly higher in the minors, and he hits the ball harder, and he makes more contact in the zone. I think I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I'll take that for, for the moment. Ronnie's flaws are more catastrophic than Parada's in my mind. Kevin Parada has flaws that are ceiling limiting. Mauricio has flaws that are viability limiting. Uh, like, Kevin Prada doesn't hit the ball as hard as we'd like. Kevin Prada doesn't make as much contact as we'd like. He does things well enough where he'll be a bad hitter, and but he'll be a major league hitter. Ron and Mauricio's problems are so extensive that I remain fairly convinced that any competent major league pitcher, and certainly any major league pitcher on a on a team with a competent analytics and preparation staff is going to dice him up with no problems at all. And to me, that means he's not a viable major league hitter, but the approach problems are that bad. And more importantly, Kevin Prada's problems are new. We do not have certainty on his ability to fix them. Ronnie Mauricio's problems are old. And I think we're reaching the point of certainty on his ability to not actually fix them. How many years have we had this same conversation about Ronnie and nothing has improved? Right. Like this is four (laughs) years of this. Like, okay, he needs to improve his approach. He needs to improve his approach. He hasn't. At some point, it's indicative of just the player not being able to do it. So my only pushback with, I think we're speaking in certainty about, oh, Parada's a corner position player. We don't know that. Like, there's a there's a possibility where Parada is unable to play the outfield because he just doesn't yeah. and tra- yeah. like look remember when they put Daniel Murphy out there like that was unviable like oh man that was a good time but like it's true though like you would like you think you could just stick a guy out in left field and be like ah eh, it's fine even if he's whatever but there's a level where it's too bad you know when and Johan Santana is- almost murders you on opening day <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm gonna I think this is kind of why Reimer is nine for me and eight for you guys is we don't know where the, the, where he ends up yet defensively. And like Reimer, I think is a little more, so even though he's 
he just made Brooklyn, like, a little more advanced with the bat with his approach and stuff like that. Where Parada, if Parada was destroying the ball like he did in this recent stretch all year, I would probably still have him eight over someone like Mauricio because my nine and ten are kind of set. It's I'm looking at it a different way. But he hasn't been. So when you're kind of disappointing in Brooklyn for where you were drafted and what your level of competition before the draft, your catching has been rough and you haven't been moved to another position so you could even see that he could play another position, it's hard for me to get there to just assume that he can, you know? Like, mm. I think that's making a jump where, like, and to the Mets' discredit, they should have been trying to move Mauricio around quicker. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he should have spent the entire year, maybe even some of last year, playing second and third and left and whatever, because Lindor's here forever. Like I know they were, they wanted to keep him as a shortstop to try to trade him at the deadline because he's more valuable as a shortstop to another team than he would be as a utility prospect. But at some point you have to realize when you're 15, when you're 14 and 15 and the vibes are terrible, we might not be making additions at the deadline. Like they should have been a little more forthcoming with that. Maybe obviously they tried very hard not to sell and, I understand why, because you, you spend $360 million, whatever the hell it is, you don't want to fucking sell the deadline. But, but I don't know, they should have been quicker with that. Maybe he'd be up in the majors faster. I don't know, but it's just, it's tough because I don't know. I, I The vision for Prada is right now he is a positionless player who's been a little above average in Brooklyn, and he needed to be well above average offensively for me to get there. You know, and it's still problems with the with the with the stance and with the weird stuff he does in the box. And sometimes one how, week, how, it, how much better might he be if they just fix the fucking stance? I don't, uh, and like one week, it looks like he he will fix it and he won't do it anymore. And then the next week he will. And I don't really understand what's going on with that. But the thing is, I, I, I sound like I'm a huge Parada hater. Like, I still really like him and I'm trying to fit, figure out a way to put him in the top 10. It's just I think other guys have played their way into it. Or in a way that he's like 11 for me, you know, like he's right there. And if he comes back next year and is a better catcher or a better hitter, like I was saying, then he's easily right into the top 10, 100%. But I just think the system's better now, you know, like the system's better. So it's the same thing. Alex Ramirez isn't in this conversation either when he would have been locked in. And I don't think any of us even thought of him. Like I would be shocked if either one of us did. Or three of us did, you know? All right, well, let's go to number nine then. Does anyone have Alex Ramirez as number nine? That'd be really funny. But now <laughs> no, I'm not no. Mine is, no, my nine is Prada. Thomas, who's your nine? Reimer. I have Christian Scott. No, oh, Okay, nice. I like it. I thought I'd be the high man on Scott, and I'm not. Nope, I like him. Stuff looks good. I could... I. I thought about you know because i have tidwell and vessel a little bit higher and i feel like scott is in that tier the only thing though that causes me to drop him down a little bit is um you know he's not as far as like a vassal is and he's a bit older i think he's like 24 this season turning 25 so yeah something because he had a weird college thing right like he was in college for a long time or something yeah there was some injuries and didn't play and so that's the only thing that that's what causes separation from those other guys. But, you know, there's a lot to like about him. Mm-hmm. I like him, too. I like him more than Tidwell. 
he misses my top ten a little bit, but I like him. All right, um, number ten. I have Christian Scott. Nice. I have Tidwell. I, I I'd have Tidwell ten. I have Mauricio really ten. Yeah. I mean, no one know to discuss. Yeah, we talked about all that. Scott Scott's really nice. I mean, he might be a reliever. All these guys might be relievers. Every pitcher might just be a reliever. Um, I think his stuff would really play up in the bullpen if that's where mm-hmm. he landed. Um, I could see him being the best reliever out of the bunch. Like, yeah. Has he had the best double A season of anyone aside from Vassal so far? I would say probably. Um, I mean, his ERA is two six seven right now. His he's he's allowing well below you know a, a six point three hits per nine, which is very good. His walk rate is almost one per nine, which is excellent. And yeah, his strikeout is almost eleven, which again is excellent. He's got like a seven to one strikeout to walk ratio, give or take. Like sixty nine strikeouts, very nice. He's definitely <laughs> played his way into. I hope the Mets give him a chance to start for real. Like, yeah. I he was one of those guys where I was on the fence on when they drafted him. Like, oh, he could kind of swing either way. I don't know, but I would hope that the Mets let him try to be a starter in Syracuse and in the majors. If it doesn't work out, obviously you can move him to the bullpen. It won't. It is what it is. No one will cry about it. But he's pitched well, really well. Mm-hmm. I think he might be the biggest surprise of the season. Yes. For me, everyone's going to be the casuals will be lapping the the Tyler Stewart breakout, but the actual breakout is Christian Scott. I think. Honestly, I agree. Like Stewart, I think is kind of just they like I don't know. He's not, good performance wise, but I think smoke and mirrors. But I know what you're saying. He's like a little bit of a he's a step down between. I think there's like three. I think Vassal, Tidwell, Scott are like the top three pitchers in the system, and then it's like. Sproke because we haven't really seen him, so it's hard to tell. And then Stewart is in that second tier. Obviously, Sproke, if with major league development or professional development rather, could fly up, or if he doesn't take to it, it he kind of stays in that second tier. It's hard to tell. I don't know where to put him. Um, I hate draft. I hate ranking draftees because I don't know. Like, dude, I saw you play in the College World Series. You didn't. Not, it's hard to tell. You know. Yeah. But like, even Hauk is a weird one. Like, you got to put him in the top ten, but it's hard. But um. Yeah, I feel like Stewart's in that second tier where he could get more stuff and move up. And obviously, there's I think the Mets have had some pitching win, pitching development wins this year with Tidwell looking a lot better and Scott and Vassal looking a lot better and like leaving the like Dominic Hamels and Z, Calvin Ziegler's, even though he's been hurt the whole time. Kind of some guys have taken to it, some guys haven't. But I think Stewart is kind of in that second tier. Agreed. I think. Stewart, if we had more, I don't even know if there is way to capture this data. I mean, he's a big guy, and and his release point is, or his extension, I should say, not his release point. You know, we know that has a in effect, yeah. It's hard effect. to quantify that. Right, exactly. Like, so that's a kind of thing. Like, we could see the numbers are doing great. You know, his his service numbers and and the peripherals as well, and. The, you know, the limited, uh, you know, StatCast kind of data that we have suggests that his pitches are, on a, like you said, on a second tier behind some of these other guys. But yet he's getting yeah. it done at an unbelievable rate. So, like, what is yeah. that? What is the X? It and could be I deception. Guess, it could be. Right. 
extension and it just looks faster and looks harder to hit who knows right. like it's hard and that stuff that, is like, hard yeah and those are things that we kind of really can't qual- quantify yet so it's like well uh, i don't know if we can say how legit stewart is yeah i also in, feel in like he has the biggest, guys. i feel like he has the biggest chance out of the four that we just mentioned if we're gonna lap him in there to be a reliever stewart like i would I don't wouldn't I don't want to say I'd be surprised if the other three are not starters, but I think Vassal is a back end starter and Tidwell is a back end starter and Scott has a chance to be that. Like he's right there. And I think Stewart is more of a if he's like a seventh inning guy, then that's great. Like sign me up for that, where they've drafted him and all that stuff. Like that's a development win. It's just I don't know if he's gonna be a starter, like I'm more sure about the other guys being starters. That's really it for why he just misses for me. He could be the new John Roush. But also, like, I was thinking about this when you said that we were going to do a top 10. The system is so much deeper now. Yeah. Like, where we could go to 15 and talk about, like, actual guys that are, like, interesting. Where two years ago, we're, we're going to 15, and I'm like, bro, please. <laughs> I, no longer, I no longer have an excuse to shove Matt Rudick or Dylan to break into my top 10. Exactly. It, like... We didn't even talk about like Ronald Hernandez and uh, like, and he's an interesting guy. And like Justin Jarvis is like a mid tier prospect for the system now and all that stuff. And a lot of the draftees, I don't know. The guy they got from, from Arizona, who's like an interesting DSL guy. Lucas, you're the only one that ranked Tauk, right? You didn't have him. No, I put him, I think I put him second. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, they, he was like a mid, he was like a fifth, top 15 prospect in the draft, and they took him at 30. Like, I'm going to put him in the top 10. But yeah, I completely agree about the depth and how much better it is now than two weeks ago. And yeah, it's for real. A year ago. Be, because, like, before, it's like if you didn't make the top 10 in the system, it was like, ooh, like, how much of a prospect? But now I could go to 15 and name guys who I'm interested in and, like, really could think have a chance to do something. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, top prospects for 2023. 20, Oops, that's 2022. I'm typing with one hand here. All right, so we have our top prospect list for 2023. At number 11, we had Calvin Ziegler. Nothing against Calvin Ziegler, but he was a coming into the year last year, limited to 40 innings of not that great, but not bad either. Low A ball. Yeah. Single single A, excuse me. We had Stanley Consuegra, 13. He was coming off of a good season, but still. We had Joel Diaz, 15. Rest in peace. Mm. Matthew Allen, 16. Rest in peace. Oh. I mean, look, I, I feel like I mailed it in on this list because usually I get to go digging through the Mets' recent draft and... I mean, this is how I come up with Dylan to break as a guy I like. 
well, I stand by, but like, there's no need for me to go do that and start justifying why I like. Um, I mean, fuck, I can't even remember the name of the mid-round arm that I found particularly intriguing when they took him. Like, oh my god, who, what the hell was his name? I've already forgotten. So we're fun. not we're not here doing that because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. much better system now all right so just to sum uh i had acuna one gilbert two jet williams three tidwell four vasil five clifford six parada seven raymer eight christian scott nine and ronnie mauricio ten lucas i had uh, uh gilbert acuna jet Vargas, Clifford, Vassal, Hauk, Reimer, Prada, and Christian Scott at 10. Thomas? I had Gilbert, Acuna, Vargas, Williams, Clifford, Vassal. Wait, that's six, right? (laughs) Vassal, Hauk, Mauricio, Reimer, Tidwell, with honorable mention Kevin Prada, like right there. I wish I could do 10B, but <laughs> alas, rules are rules. Rules are rules. Sorry, man. And we are definitely going to grill Ken next week. So I hope he doesn't listen and I hope he, he has, doesn't like Ken has to do top 30 because he Oh, knows. shit. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. And uh, we don't tell him until the, until the day of. Right. We just put him on the spot. All right. Who's your top 30 right now? In reverse order. I feel like this year it actually would not be too much of a hassle to go 30 deep. No, I think I could I could get to 20 pretty quick. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Then, then I would have to like scratch and claw a little bit to get to 30, but I think I could get there. A few other years, if you asked me for th- you asked me for 30, and I was like Steve, <laughs> just violate the Geneva Convention, please. A few a few other years, ask more than like 13, and you're like. Oh. <laughs> but that's what Cohen wanted, so here we are. Yep. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Evlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. Thomas is at SedMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we are Patreon-based, so if you do like our podcast or any of the other ones that are in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for just $5 a month. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.